0: This is a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. Find us at k103.sc Due to copyright, the music is shortened. Yes, good
1: evening ladies and gentlemen, it's Ordinary Observations with Mark and Jack and uh, soon-to-be K103 member Anton. Dr. Hello Anton, again. back Hello in again. the house. Yeah, um, yeah, somewhat of a re- recurring guest now, so it's nice to have you with us again. Thank you, thank you. Uh, twice already. Sorry?
0: Twice already. Yeah, right, so what are we talking about this week then? Uh, we're going into Miracles of Survival. People who survived some crazy things and the stories behind them. Mm. Yep, that's the plan. Uh, first off, though, I need to apologize for a couple things from past weeks. Yeah. Uh,
1: I got I got, a, I got a little laundry list of things to get through here. Uh, I need to firstly apologize for uh, saying neutrinos that were reflect- reflected from the tungsten blocks around the demon core. Mm. It was neutrons. Ah. I got that wrong. I got it right once and got it wrong once. It's a physicist as well. I know. Um... I also need to apologize to mark for having his mic a bit too quiet i've got a lot of shit from the mark fans out there they've been messaging me
0: yeah non-stop
1: com- complaining about about anton and i talking over mark <laughs> mark tells a joke
0: and he can't hear the punchline because we're
1: already laughing over yeah mark. all so,
0: those good jokes ruined yeah exactly so, demon core yeah the uh, <laughs>
1: the uh, the, uh, the mark faithful out there are pretty pissed off and i also need to apologize to k103 in general for forgetting to turn the butt on after we finished recording last week. For those of you who aren't members of K103, <laughs> that's the device that uh, allows the radio to actually, pl- to... actually broadcast. Well, to play over the, the web player, right? Yeah. So there was, a, there was a couple minutes there where uh, I was responsible for the entire station being quiet. So <laughs> Yeah, that's me hanging out my apologies. Yeah. I hope the listenership can
0: find it in their hearts to uh, forgive me. Shout out to um, people who had ordinary observations on their Spotify Wrapped. Oh, right, Spotify Wrapped. Yeah, we we're
2: actually on the top podcast for a few listeners, weren't we?
1: Yeah, like yeah, yeah. fifteen people, I believe. Yes, yeah. it's number one. It's solid. Yeah, I. F- I mean, uh, yeah. Thanks for that. We appreciate that. Yeah, keep- I-, I would feel somewhat embarrassed by that myself. Keep the listeners' ships yeah. going. Uh, but but yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. Were yep. you guys? Were we in your guys' top? Wrapped?
0: Um, wouldn't no, even, I think it was too fresh of a podcast. Yeah, wouldn't even make my top five. So, no, no, yeah. no uh.
1: that's right. Maybe next year. Shout out to the 15 people who've got five star rankings. Thank
0: you so much. <laughs> yeah, Appreciate massive. that. Keep going. Yep. <clears throat> Shout out to Yula's grandma, Omaloni. Yes. Hi Omaloni. Liebe Grüße aus Schweden. Hoffe alles gut bei dir. Wir sehen uns in dem in dem neues Jahr. Show off. Yes. Hi, o yes. yes.
1: Yeah. Flex. Hallo Omaloni. Well, we got first up, then first
0: up, Jose Alvarenga.
2: Exactly. So, we're gonna be continuing with the story of a man lost at sea. Mm-hmm. Mm. Take us away, Dr. Anton. <laughs> Is, <laughs> wash <laughs> us away. <Yeah. laughs> so, this one starts off with um, Jose Alvarenga, and he had been fishing sharks in Mexico for decades. However, this one fateful day in November t- of 2012. He would embark on a doomed fishing trip that would make him known as the man who survived four hundred and thirty-eight days at sea. That's a lot of days he was at, he was at sea. Lots of, lots of days. But he wasn't alone to begin with. So there were actually two crew members on the ship, and it was Alvaringa and twenty-two year old Ezequiel Cordoba. Oh mm. that's difficult to pronounce. Yeah, right. impressive. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> He was actually initially, uh, he was about to set out with his longtime friend, but uh, he wasn't available at the time. So he had to settle for an inexperienced day worker. Okay. Oh, rough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you mean just like somebody made met at the docks? Just a bloke yeah. at yeah. the
2: port or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so as the story uh, has been told, the fishing trip was was initially very fruitful. However, the luck changed when uh, a storm began to set in. And because of their fortune in catch, they decided to keep fishing and ignore the change in weather. Mm-hmm. And this was a very greedy decision to make. Looks uh, like the storms rolled in. Yeah. Uh, Roll probably the biggest mistake of their life. <laughs> <laughs> you would hope so. Yeah. So the storm set in and they tried to, they made an attempt to return to shore. Okay. Uh, but the rough seas had a mind on its own at this point. Mm-hmm. So the crashing waves had soon filled up the engine bay of the boats, and the propulsion was no more. Oof, yikes. So they started drifting out to sea again where they were battered by the storm, uh, losing most of their equipment they had on board. And the sea started to calm about one torturous week after. Oof. So they were and- just
0: rocking around for a week like that
2: pretty much pretty much stuck in a storm for around. a whole week
0: that's rough imagine how seasick you be.
2: and now they were I mean they were completely lost in their small camouflage blue and white vessel <laughs> at <this point>. uh, <laughs> which helpful. is pretty difficult to be I mean it's difficult to get spotted at sea uh, that
1: seems like an oversight
2: yeah. yeah maybe we should all have orange orange cone colored vessels or mm. something oh. maybe a radium glow in the dark <laughs> <laughs> demon boats. yeah Anyway, so while we were out there, you know, uh, while plastic pollution in the sea may be killing our planet at this point, it actually helped these two men to survive uh, as they collected more than 70 plastic bottles and used them as rain collectors in order to get some fresh water. Mm -hmm. And as for their diets, they had to be very resourceful. Mm -hmm. So the first month they were eating sea turtles uh, since they were pretty close to shore still. And there were lots of them there. They would actually drink glasses of turtle blood. Oh, that's And gross. then they would oh, cook that's... the meat because apparently this was very nutritious. Yeah, tur- turtle meat's probably all right. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's toxic. It pro- probably helps with dehydration toxic, as yeah. well, I guess. Mm-mm. So I don't know how they did to catch them, but I guess that they, the turtles just swam up next to the boat, you know, mm. in a curious manner, and then they would just scoop them up. <laughs> I mean, th- you said the boat is half flooded or what? Already? Uh it was just the engine component. Ah, uh, yeah,
0: just yeah. The, just the engine. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. So it was some real
1: like parts of the Caribbean shit, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just scooping <laughs> turtles out the water, <laughs> riding them. Yeah. So, anyways, they were actually also followed by by smaller sharks. Uh, they followed them around, and if they were small enough, uh, Alvarenga would wait until they were next to the boat, and they would grab them by the fin, <laughs> and just <laughs> hurl them up. <laughs> goblin mode <laughs> i didn't understand if they ate the whole sharks so mm. they probably did but the one the most nutritious thing on the shark apparently is the shark liver okay. because it contains a lot of you know oils and fats and, yeah. and stuff oh. um, you know what the best part is though the fin the fin yes these <laughs> sharks weren't killed in vain though <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> Anyways, you know, they only had shark for a while because as, as it drifted further out, their main resource of food had to be something else. Yeah. And they had to rely on more cruel methods to uh, gather food. Okay. So basically, more cruel than sharks. Yeah. So huh. when the birds started to land on the vessel, birds out at sea, mm. like seagulls they, or something. Probably and anything. I mean, are there I don't know which kind of birds that Specifically, fly over what the ocean? species of <laughs> yeah. bird? They were in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> sure. Anyway, so Alvarenga would run out to them and catch them and then it would break the wings. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's grim man. Because yeah. they, then they would be alive and still on the boat and they would but sort they of lure live. other yeah. birds uh-huh. onto, onto the boat. So, that's and they kept on doing it on, pretty crafty, but yeah. very, very cruel. Ah, oh, that's uh, horrible. That's some like yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing grandpa this
0: Grandpa, years of experience, kind of cruelty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trapping the poor flightless birds. Yeah.
2: <laughs> because they actually did have a continuous food supply this way. Mm. So, mm. Uh, pretty smart. But the one thing that makes you wonder is how they didn't contract scurvy mm. like most of the sailors did yeah, during true, the 1500s though. up to the 1800s. and That they was were a uh, long time at sea, so yeah i mean lots of days anyways so apparently fresh raw meat contains some vitamin c and the lack of vitamin c is why you get scurvy in the end so eating this raw meat actually saved them from contracting this Uh aha okay
1: yeah we're gonna pause there on the eating raw meat to the raw fish diet save
0: yourself from scurvy dalmatin festival Kulturkängan, en annan del av K103, live, varje torsdag klockan åtta. Yes, you're listening to K103 Radio. This is Ordinary Observations with Jack and Mark and special guest Anton. We're discussing Jose Alvarenga the man who was lost at sea for the longest time, 438 days. And we were just discussing his interesting
2: diet of mostly raw fish and crippled birds. <laughs> but yeah. you carry on, Anton. <laughs> yeah, so as far as the story goes, we're uh, now 10 weeks into this little voyage. It's a long time. And uh, sadly, <laughs> Already, that's long, sadly yeah. after, t- after 10 weeks, the young fella... Cordoba. He passed away after contracting food poisoning from uh, one of the birds. Just all the raw food they were eating. Mm. Yeah, he developed a fear of food. I mean, uh-huh. Makes sense. So he starved to death, basically. So from this point point on, Alvarenga he was he was alone and uh, going solo. Yeah, and to save himself from the loneliness and you know stay sane because staying sane at this point is like crucial for survival. He would use his imagination and fantasies to be elsewhere <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to know <laughs> yeah then he would imagine things like walking down the beach and seeing some girl he always been flirting with that <laughs> you know that was the kind of alternative reality that would keep yeah that would keep him alive at this point like the best thing he could possibly imagine think, in that yeah. moment it's just like oh some girl he flirted with <laughs> yeah like, the, like, the, fu- the funny thing is that uh, this guy he was actually a, a party animal uh-huh. yeah okay and the young fella cordoba he was the very, very religious one mm-hmm. ah okay uh, Role reversal <laughs> yeah, so got rid of the boring bloke yeah <laughs> So, he also stated in an interview that the best meals of my life were those imaginary meals, meals I had at sea. And also, the best sex I had in my life was the imaginary sex. He's just imagining, on that boat. imagining not eating the fucking raw like that, pigeons yeah, again. Like
1: that's probably true for a lot of people. The best sex they've
0: had in their life
2: is just imaginary. Yeah, and when they get to the real deal, you're like, "Wow, ah. I'm not very good at this. Yeah, three, three minutes later, <laughs> but apparently, he also he uh, contemplated suicide for about four days after uh, Cordoba's death. But his Christian faith actually prevented him to do so.
0: That's understandable, man.
2: He's out, lost at sea. It's horrible. Uh, but this is 2012, right? 2012. Yeah. So it's not a very crazy. long. Crazy. Mm? Yeah. Oh. He stated that he saw numerous transoceanic container ships, but was, un- was unable to get their attention. It's always the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, after he- painting the boat blue and yeah, white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's got his little knife there trying to reflect the sun. Yeah, on the yeah. the- but, well, the in vain. Mm. But anyway, so uh, the only way he had to keep track of time. Uh, was by counting the phases of the moon. And that makes me think, I mean, why, do you not, why don't you count the, the sunrises? Oh, but maybe instance.
0: after like, I don't know, 100, 150 days, you just lose track. Yeah, probably. Whereas probably, the phases probably.
1: of the moon, what well, the fa- the moon goes through a phase every 28 days and in? something like that, right?
2: Easier to count to 15 than to count to right. 438.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's quite yeah. clever, actually. Because unless you have like a knife and you can do like little tally marks to see how many days, you know? Probably. But he, he could have also just been going insane on this boat. I True. mean it sounds like I didn't? mean he was like,
1: yeah hallucinating the best sex of his life.
2: <laughs> this is where we get to it. So after counting his fifteenth lunar cycle, he spotted land. And that was a tiny desolate island, and which actually turned out to be a remote corner of the Marshall Islands. Mm-hmm. Shout out the Marshall yeah. Islands. Fantastic flag, the Marshall yeah. Islands. Trying to grow a
0: listenership there also.
2: Yeah. yeah, Big fan base yeah. over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So eventually he abandoned the boat when he got close enough to the shore, and, and then he swam to shore and he stumbled upon a beach house, actually. Okay. And that was owned by a couple. Nice. Uh, and they were there. And were that's, that's where his long journey ended. That was 438 days, let's see. Whoa. But it must have been a pretty bizarre sight to have this, you know, beardy, weak man running up, knocking on your door, kind of. But it's crazy. He hasn't spoken to any person for a year. Yeah. 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 He's got like a football. Wilson! Wilson. (laughs) But this journey then, so there are various calculations done uh, Mm. on how long this little trip was. And it ranges somewhere between 9,000 to 11,000 kilometers. Curious. And he so started pretty. where? Of Mexico. Yeah, I was, I was off sa- the coast of Mexico. Oh, yeah.
0: He's from El Salvador. He started yeah. in Mexico. Yeah.
2: And when they do the body examinations of him, or the doctors did the examinations on him, uh, they said that the vital signs were all good, with the exception of a pretty low. Uh, blood pressure mm-hmm. for some oh. reason uh, and he also suffer, uh, suffered some swollen ankles <laughs> <laughs> then after, after 11 days of the hospital he was deemed healthy enough to return home to El Salvador mm. just sent straight uh, back to fishing or what? no because he developed a fear of water ah yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> understandable <makes sense>. <laughs> <laughs> and he had trouble sleeping for a while understandable uh, however this guy actually continued on and uh, would eventually uh, release a book after this little night- nightmare trip. Mm-hmm. And after the release of this book, Cordoba's family sued him from $1 million, accusing him of cannibalizing <laughs> the, on their relatives <laughs> in order to survive. The,
0: the best meal of his life wasn't <laughs> something he imagined.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to recover the body, though. <laughs> the best sex of his life? <laughs> <laughs> no. The right. story of the 438 days at sea. Okay, we're going to go to some
1: confirmed cannibalism next, right? Yeah. But first, we'll go to Elephant's oh. Trench.
2: Det onormala normala med mig Mia Svensson. Podcasten där du får ta del av mina tankar och känslor kring allt och ingenting. Lyssna både på engelska och svenska där poddar finns eller på k103.se. Har du en idé eller en åsiks? Följ mig på Instagram. Det onormala normala.
0: Yes, it's K103, it's Ordinary Observations time, and we're talking all things miraculous, survival, people who have survived horrible things and made it their way through it, the lengths the human body can go to survive. Yeah. I like that we've chosen uh, survival as our theme. We seem to be quite (laughs) death-heavy. Yeah, exactly. The initial plan was to lighten it up, but these stories
2: are fucked.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's the problem. It's like we chose survival stories and some of them are survivors. Yeah. Not not everybody. Not
2: not the majority. I mean,
1: speaking of uh, some of them being survivors. Yeah, this one's not the majority either. But (laughs) I promised we'd cover some cannibalism, okay? Yeah. Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. You heard about it? Yes, it's the chartered flight organized by the Old Christians Club rugby team from Montevideo in October 1972. Right, so there's this rugby club. They were scheduled to play a match against an English team in Santiago, Chile. It's important to note here that Montevideo is on
0: the... East eastern side of South America, it's in Uruguay. And yep. Santiago is on the... Western side. Yeah, it's not
1: actually on the coast, which
0: is quite... No, no, interesting. In, the, in the mountains.
1: Yeah, you think that Chile a country with 6,400 kilometers worth of coastline would have a capital city uh, you would, you would. on the coast, wouldn't you? Anyway, it's about 100 kilometers inland, but it is on the other side of the Andes. This is important. This will,
0: Big this old mountain <laughs> range yeah. to get through. This is going to play a role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this could be a key detail. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so remember that. Yeah, write that
0: down. Uh,
1: so the aircraft departed Montevideo with 40 passengers and 5 crew members. Now, bad weather over the Andes that afternoon uh, forced them to land in Mendoza, which is in Argentina, mm-hmm. and stay there for at night. So that's just across it's across the border but pretty much directly horizontal or parallel with Santiago. Yep. So they're Geographically, it's only like 200 kilometers apart. Mm. But there's just this big fuck That's off. basically...
2: You don't never you don't get to the cruising altitude. Them, yeah, well,
1: is exactly. There's this distance. big fuck-off mountain range in between them, right? Mm. So they're about 200 kilometers apart in a straight line. However, you're right. The mountains between them are very high. So on a good day, the plane they were in would just be able to get high enough. Yeah, it's super steep mountain ranges. Yeah, well, right?
2: exactly. And this yeah.
1: was 72. The plane wasn't... Probably it would basically flash.
2: take a giant leap with the airplane.
1: <laughs> it's also loaded with big Uruguayan rugby boys as well. Yeah, they were dragging that thing yeah, to the it ground. Was, it was, load, it was yeah, they, loaded. The payload weight was way too high. It was loaded pretty heavy. Yeah. So on a good day, they would just be able to make it, but it was sort of customary to fly south a bit from Mendoza, cross the Andes at sort of a lower point where the mountains aren't so yeah. quite,
2: aren't quite guess so high. I at a
1: better angle. And, and then, then fly, back. fly back up northwards
2: mm-hmm. towards Santiago was sort of the plan. But you get a lot of turbulence in those areas, don't you?
1: Yeah, that was sort of the plan. They took off around 2 p.m. the next day. The storm had subsided, but the clouds were still very thick over the mountains. Essentially, the pilot fucked up and they crashed. So they started descending too early. Uh, When they dropped beneath the cloud, he saw a big mountain in front of them and tried to desperately pull up, but the tail clipped it and was sort of knocked off, and a a few people went with it. Apparently they were, you know, flying through some pretty dense clouds, and the rowdy boys were cheering
0: along in the back <laughs> and for the tail. You know, every yeah. bit of bump
1: in the tube, and you're on the. On they the hadn't
0: s- looked back yet and yeah. the tailwind cliff. On, on the school bus as a kid, like exactly. swing into the side when it around the that corner.
1: Kind of <laughs> so, so I-, I mean, everybody's a tough dude. Everybody gangster till you yeah, drop yeah. beneath the clouds, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you see how close the mountain is. Yeah, everyone gangster Ooh. till you
0: smash into the Andes. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. <laughs> so that happened. They turned north too soon. They hadn't made it all the way across the mountain range they turned north too soon and they started descending and then by the time they realized they were beneath the cloud and saw the mountain in front of them it was too late they couldn't
0: pull it's up quickly going. enough yeah
1: yet. they tried i guess they just made it over the top uh, but the tail got clipped mic mm. a little
0: bit yeah anyway it's kind of hard to understand how these planes look. also aren't powerful enough to do that well it's, it's hard to understand
1: how the geography of the mountains
0: ah yeah i'm reading wikipedia
1: here yeah <laughs> <clears throat> So the tail gets knocked off, some wings get knocked off, and they end up sliding with the fuselage, just sliding straight down this glacier on the other side of the mountain ridge. Mm. Sliding down this glacier at like 350 kilometers big, an big hour. sled kind going, of thing. Yeah, going <laughs> quite quickly. Yeah. And again, it's an airplane quite heavy as well. Mm. So they slid around 750 meters until they hit a snowbank. This crushed the cockpit, killing one pilot instantly and leaving the other with injuries that would kill him in a few hours as well. Yeah, again, hard to understand exactly the shape of the mountain, but the point is they slid down a big glacier. That's the important part here. When the what was left of the aircraft came to a rest on the glacier, an elevation of about 3,570 meters, which Holy is shit. It's very high. It's, very it's high. cold yeah. up there. Just on the Argentinian side of the border shared with Chile. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they weren't far at all from the Chilean border. So, obviously, this was an airplane crash, a pretty violent sort of ordeal. At least four people were killed when the aircraft hit the snowbank, including the team doctor and a team member who was a medical student.
0: That yeah. sucks, though. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah it would have been so pre- unlucky. Pre- yeah. pretty handy the to have them around <laughs> in a situation like but, that. But it's only this rugby team, right, on the flight. Yeah, and their friends and family. Yeah, okay. I think mm. there
1: was one random woman who uh, one of the rugby boys, like, canceled. It, and so they were like, oh, does anybody else want to come? Oh, okay, That's yeah. my mm. understanding of it, but I'm mm. not certain. Uh, so immediately following the crash, there were 33 of the 45 people were still alive. However, some had pretty critical injuries, including one of the pilots we just mentioned. He was trapped in the crushed cockpit. He asked one of the survivors to find his pistol and shoot him, but the passenger declined. Uh,
0: ah, yeah. It's a bit rough. Yeah, it sucks, yeah, man. It's like, I, just I, one ass game. Yeah, yeah, he's well, probably got some
1: last horrific wish. piece of metal through his Body he's just completely crushed. Yeah, he's You're gonna, not getting out of gonna there. He's gonna bleed to death or something. Just oh. you know, end it for him. But whatever. So there are a couple others on board who are also medical students themselves. Despite being somewhat injured, they tried to help others who could be saved. Uh, five more people would die during the first night from mm. you know bleeding to death or whatever the wikipedia article says that none of the passengers with compound fractures survived do you know what a compound fracture is
2: no i've never heard Isn't of it. it
0: multiple fractures in this well thing? that's what it sounds like but it's the one where, where you break a bone and the bone sticks out your skin uh, oh, Ah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah so i mean yeah you're not surviving yeah that. that's three that's, and a half thousand meters yeah, above sea level that's bleed to death kind of territory yeah.
1: Uh, So, some rescue operations began as the Chilean flight control realized the plane must have crashed somewhere. This is, of course, continued the next day with help from Argentinians and the Uruguayans. The passengers tried to paint SOS on the fuselage roof with lipstick they found in some luggage. (laughs) You need a lot of lipstick to do that. Yeah, obviously, lipstick's not a particularly large no (laughs) Amounts. yeah they they don't make them in sort of industrial paint sizes so they realized that they were not gonna have enough lipstick to do that to make it visible from the sky they also constructed a cross on the snow using luggage
0: yeah that's smart Mm.
1: yeah Uh, still still too hard to see smart to what extent Yeah, yeah the search and rescue area they they did figure it out and it was pretty accurate The white fuselage of the plane on the white snow, however, was evidently pretty hard to spot. Mm. Mm. Survivors say they saw three planes in the first few days flying past, but again they just
0: weren't visible enough to just
1: be seen just like
2: trying to find a white and blue vessel yeah. in the middle of the ocean absolutely i
1: fucking hate these stories
0: it happens every time yeah. yeah and just like no one has like a lighter or something where you can set on fire yeah. to stuff yeah. yeah
1: so survivors did what they could to make the fuselage into a makeshift kind of shelter yeah they used luggage seats and snow to block the open end off which had been ripped off mm. They melted snow on metal sheets to create drinking water. They took the material from the seats to make some insulation because at nighttime temperatures were getting, you know, they could get to negative 30, which is yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the very, very lyrical lim- yeah I mean that's miserable even with the
0: best of kit that's miserable in a house
1: <laughs> yeah it's also <laughs> it's also particularly cold for coastal boys from Montevideo, some of whom had never seen snow before oh, oh boy yeah I had no luck here are they uh, so one of the boys found a transistor radio and fashioned a long antenna out of some electrical cable After eight days stuck on the mountainside, they heard over the radio that they'd been presumed dead, and the search had been called off.
0: Oh, no. By -hmm. this
1: time, 27 of the original 45 people were still alive. There's still quite a lot, actually. Yeah, they are, yeah. Well, there was October in the Southern Hemisphere, right? Mm -hmm. So, the search party decided, oh, they're going to be dead by now. We'll wait until December when the snow really starts melting, and then we'll be able to see where they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when the spring had melted some uh, some snow, sorry. They had essentially no food. There was a few chocolate bars, a jar of some mussels.
0: Yeah, but it, it would be like food you'd have on a plane. Like some, It's not going to be just snacks.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's an Air Force plane. Even less I, snacks. I, but yeah. I, know, I don't know why mussels are on there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is my point. Some jams, some dried plums, a few bottles of wine, but nothing of any real substance and certainly nothing that could sustain this many people for so long. Yeah. They rationed it out very strictly, but after five days, nothing was left. They tried to eat bits of the plane, like leather and cotton from the insides of the seats, but that only made them sicker, of course. Yeah. Um Should we pause there for a tune?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go all ahead. right. All right. <clears throat> the Big Boom by Dicky Alem. This is K103. That's right. This is K-103. This is Ordinary Observations. We're talking miraculous survivals, and uh, we um, head into the Andes. Yeah, so
1: I deliberately paused there and went to that tune because we had just talked about how they had no food. <laughs> so a- the next part's where they eat each other, right? Yeah, there's one uh, way to get the food. Yeah, Yeah. so they, they tried eating leather and cotton from inside the seats. Of course, that made them sicker. So this is where we get to the cannibalism. Knowing that rescue mission had been called off and that they would just starve to death if they didn't do anything, those still alive agreed that they would need to eat the flesh of their dead friends to survive. That's grim. Yeah, Yeah. that's how it goes.
0: (laughs) I can't imagine what kind of psychological damage that would do to a person. Or just to have to make that decision as a group.
1: Yeah, knowing you have
0: to eat your dead friends and and some family members bodies do you reckon there's anyone who's just too keen for it in the group like the leader I of it don't, i don't think so <laughs> no, anyway you, you sorry. Certainly, that
1: certainly wouldn't be in the public
0: record no.
2: afterwards <laughs> <No. laughs> that would be if you boys uh, yo,
0: yeah
1: well maybe plenty, there was a plenty bit of muscle of there so besides the regular moral dilemma here all of the passengers were roman catholic mm. so many of them feared eternal damnation <laughs> as well yeah, <laughs> so definitely some devil actor, like yeah. eat yeah, people. so some some survivors reason that eating their friends' bodies was equivalent to the Eucharist or Holy Communion.
0: Yeah, which mm-hmm.
1: is body of Christ. Yeah, I'm kind not going to pretend to understand this. You guys know that I'm not much of a holy man myself. <laughs> no, nah, but the, tarnished. You know, it's whether the, the <laughs> signifies you that you're fucking Irish. You explain the Roman yeah.
2: Catholic. Yeah, I, I was trying. <laughs> How many minutes do we got? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Might need the whole new episode. Yeah. yeah, so they believed as Roman Catholics that they would eat this is dodgy but that they would eat other Catholics and that right. it would be alright okay
1: oh. anyway they they tried to they reasoned they reasoned with it badly uh, but there's also a verse in John 15:13. Uh, no man hath greater love than this that he should lay down his life for his friends that does not mean oh. eat your mates that's something we can all get behind right <laughs> yeah um, for sure um but again, okay, yeah, uh, the etern- being afraid of eternal damnation is fair enough. Mm. Makes sense that there's no point in eating your friends to survive if when you do die eventually, you're just going to burn in hell forever. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So they did. They ate their friends. Initially, they ate the easy bits like the skin, the muscle, the fat. But as they started running out of that, they also had to eat the hearts, lungs, and brains. And yeah. not the liver. Oh, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, it depends how much they've been drinking. But it got me thinking, all right? Mark, we play in a rugby team. Yeah, we if, do. <laughs> if the Simbers were involved in some sort of her- horrific situation that necessitated cannibalism, yeah, right, who would we eat first? Good question. Well, I think it is a good question, but I did put this to the boys a little bit last night. And I'm sorry, Adam, but I, I think it's you,
0: mate. I think, uh, yeah, I think I'd eat Adam. <laughs> I think, sorry. I
1: think Adam or Joseph.
0: Oh, Pierre. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Pierre. I
1: Pierre. But
0: <sighs> I wouldn't want to eat you. It's too nice. I wouldn't want to eat Pierre. No, he's
1: too nice. But then it's also like, well, these guys don't have the best diets, do they? So.
0: No, exactly. They might be a bit too chewy. Which is which
1: led me to Murray, actually. Yeah. I think Murray. Murray. He's M- clean. Murray's a very clean guy. Eats very healthy. Doesn't drink. Doesn't smoke.
0: Yeah works out very fit clean organs I love that this turned into a deep dive so, of eating our mates so if you guys, yeah. <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> uh, but so we'll move on
1: to the 17th day after the crash an avalanche struck the fuselage shelter. It's good that we move on yep. from that. <laughs> it killed eight more people, including team captain Marcelo Perez, who had been the impromptu leader. And uh, That does make sense. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. And Liliana Methol, who was the only woman to survive to this point. Mm. Uh, she had been like a, a mother and a saint. That's a quote to the boys. She'd been nursing them. She'd been like a motherly figure. So obviously, very bad for morale when she was, uh, yeah. When the captain, was. the
0: captain, has, and the mum figure is yeah. gone, yes,
1: asphyxiated by a avalanche. That's horrible. So it came down onto the plane, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the fuselage had been buried, and it took them three days to dig their way out. Actually, so while they were stuck in the plane, mm-hmm. they then had to start eating the people who had just died in that avalanche
0: whilst they were spending their time digging
1: that's themselves that's a horrible
2: site yeah going, into, yeah. Dude, going on inside of
0: that too... zombie mode this hey, is yeah. obviously raw this is, all of them are raw well
1: no? apparently they would cut bits off and leave it to dry in the sun for a while which made it a little bit easier to human eat human biltong or something mm. eventually gross. the weather starts warming up a bit and the snow melts a little bit at least a few of the boys set out on an expedition to find help a few hours walk down the glacier they find the tail section of the plane which has a little bit more food inside it so they were quite excited about uh, that not some, much
2: some some more people, well, uh,
1: people. Uh, a couple of chocolate bars <laughs> might taste a bit better they also find some batteries which they thought could be used to power the two way radio in the cockpit mmm Keep in mind, they've been on the glacier for about eight weeks at this point. The large batteries were too heavy to carry uphill, however, so they returned to the fuselage, ripped the radio out, and took it back to the tail section. One of the boys was an amateur electronics hobbyist, so they enlisted his help. However, it turned out the batteries were 24 volt DC, and the aircraft voltage, which the radio ran on, was 115 volt AC. Shit. So they just fried the radio? Yeah, well, they fucked around with it, trying to get it work for a few days, but it was mm. it was never going to work, unfortunately. No. By day 60... Another few people had died, leaving the tally to 16 out of
0: 45 still surviving. I love that they said, like, the guy who's a hobbyist in electronics to yeah. fix the plane radio. Well, <laughs> he was the one that figured the radio to hear the
1: call when they ah, fi- yeah, okay. when mm, they found out
0: yeah. that they had called off the search. He was on a good streak. Yeah.
1: So day 61, two of the boys, Roberto Canessa and Nando Parado, set off to find help. They climbed over the mountaintop towards the border with Chile and through the mountains that way. It would take them 10 days before they met an I apologize to anybody who actually right, speaks Spanish here. And <laughs> yeah, that, Rero It's a guy who <laughs> transports stuff with animals, usually mules. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're this, like a packer
2: or something. I learned this I, last night. Yeah, yeah. Pacos, no?
1: he's, a, he's a cowboy, essentially. <laughs> um, who then rode off to inform the police and got some help. Finally, after 71 days in the fuselage on a glacier, a helicopter arrived on site to pick up the survivors. They could not all fit. So they took those who needed urgent care the most... And left the ones they left them there to stay another night. <laughs> oh, oh my
0: god, the sight they would have seen yeah, in that
1: fuselage. Yeah, way. so a few safety or mountain rescue people they actually got off the helicopter and stayed the night with them there to make sure they didn't die on that last night, which is yeah. at least. Comforting. Did they try
2: to cover it up? Cover up the bodies? Uh, you know, I don't know. No, we'll them? see.
1: There's pictures of this, and yeah, they had a camera, and in some of the pictures you can see bones lying around. It's not too Ooh. old of a thing yeah. that happened as well. No, 1972. Yeah, so the chicken drumsticks. Yeah. Definitely. So that was the end of it. After 71 days, a helicopter arrived on site to pick up the last of the survivors. So long. Uh, Stephen King actually referenced this in his book, The Shining. You
0: yeah. heard of The Shining? Oh, mm-hmm.
1: And there's a new Netflix movie coming out next month called Society of Snow. A must watch. Yeah, I, I watched the trailer for it last night. looked good.
0: Yeah, uh, I, have so. to, I have to give it a watch mm-hmm. because I think this story is pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, obviously very horrible it's horrible that they had to come
0: to that decision mm. i think but yeah so in the end 16 of the 45 but uh, passengers survived i guess it's the only way that they did survive because yeah. they're there for 71 days yeah oh. some of
1: the boys went on to play pretty good rugby like a couple of them made the national team <laughs> i oh. don't think
0: that's the interesting <laughs> I mean, part i think that they survived but yeah, fat yeah bump. like
1: all right all right all right all right <laughs> we'll go to the next song man this is uh, frantic by the embassy Next stop, Gothenburg. Dive into the world of our students every Saturday at 3 p.m. Listen to their stories, experiences and feel the pulse of the vibrant student culture. Next stop, Gothenburg. Your source
0: for everything about student life in this fantastic city.
1: Yes, this is Ordinary Observations on K103, Jotobosch Student Radion. We're talking miraculous stories of survival. We've somehow turned stories of survival into cannibalism
0: and necrophilia. So Mark's going to take us to the next one, which is... Hopefully not that. Hopefully not. Yeah, Yeah, we could say people surviving at all odds. Sure. Yeah. No matter what it takes. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Uh, Could be anything. Uh, Next one, Juliana Kopko. She is a German-Peruvian woman who, at the age of just 17 in 1971, became the only survivor of the Lancer Flight 508. So Juliana's parents were both German-born biologists and had established a research center deep in the Peruvian part of the Amazon jungle. Juliana lived with them for a while, but she had to attend a boarding school in Lima. So she had just finished this high school, the boarding school. Mm. And her mother... Maria travelled to Lima to pick her up, and her mum wanted her to fly home the day after her last exam, but Juliana herself wanted to stay for the graduation ceremony, makes sense, on the 23rd of December. That that doesn't make sense, though. Mm -hmm. Why is the
1: graduation ceremony the 23rd of December? Yeah,
0: that part doesn't make sense, (laughs) but staying around for it. This turned out to be a big mistake. She was, what,
1: 17, right? So
0: it made sense she wanted to celebrate with her friends. Yeah, she's been through a lot of boarding school. Anyway, Mm. because it was almost Christmas, as you just said, the only available flight was the Lanza Flight 5.08, 5.08, but Mr. Kopka encouraged them to take another flight, but the tickets were already booked. Mm. That's a big what-if moment. You yeah, know? that's a big... <laughs> Huge what-if. Yeah. Now, Lanza had a reputation. Did they fucking ever. Basically, the Lockheed L-188... Lecture, which was its pretty shit aircraft, actually. <laughs> so it, it was
2: infamous for accidents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: indeed. Yeah. Very infamous, indeed. <laughs> There's a long list on Wikipedia of accidents. Just the, from this aircraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So out of the 170 of them built, 58 were written off after crashes or <laughs> mid-air malfunctions. <laughs> such a bad record. Including the Lanza Flight 502, which was also in Peru, which happened just over one year prior to Juliana's crash.
1: Yeah. So it's the same model of aircraft, the same airline, the same country,
0: one year earlier. Yeah, and how many people died? Like a hundred. <laughs> so out of a
2: hundred <laughs> like people, with the Malaysian airlines. Yeah. yeah. So
0: out of out of a hundred people, ninety nine people died on board, mm-hmm. and the only survivor was the captain of the previous flight. Yeah, yeah, of the previous flight. Talk about survivor's
2: guilt, though. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. You're the fucking captain and everybody on your ship dies. So... <laughs>
2: I bet it was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> it's like...
0: So, before Juliana's flight, 570 people had been killed in these aircraft. In her flight, she was the sole survivor of 92 passengers and crew. Mm. There are 1,021 fatalities involving the Lockheed L-188 Electra mm. plane. In total. Just this mm. one aircraft. Yeah. It's crazy. It's mm. crazy. And, so and again, there was only 170 of them built. Yeah. That's not a good stat. <laughs> it's not fantastic, mate. Now, so Juliana and her mother sat in the second to last row mm. with Juliana against the window. So she's in the window seat of this plane and her mother sat in the middle seat of the three-seater. Hmm. Yeah. Everything was going fine until seemingly out of nowhere, the plane became engulfed in a very dark, violent storm. And the plane is just like thrashing around Mm. in midair and Mm. the baggage is being like chucked out of the plane. All the drinks and sandwiches (laughs) are all over the (laughs) place. Real out of a real horror movie kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly a bright flash of white light occurs and the plane begins to nosedive just straight to the ground. Juliana remembers her mother in an eerily calm voice saying now it's all over
2: ooh that's scary yeah it says pre-
0: for bye presumably in German right? yeah right Oof. that's not fun think it's even she- more scary when it's in German <laughs> <laughs> you reckon I don't yeah, know I think so <laughs> the next thing she knew Juliana was falling through the air well the in white mid-air. the white flash was lightning yeah um, so it had struck the plane it struck the plane
1: and then the plane essentially just disintegrated yeah so she's just falling downwards strapped
0: to her seat. Yeah, so she was falling through the air with no plane around her. And um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you said, the plane had <laughs> completely disintegrated. Yeah. So, <laughs> a whole high did you fall? She fell 3,000 meters back to earth. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's quite high. Yeah, (laughs) indeed. And uh, the guess is that she'd passed out before from just a crazy change in pressure and volume. I
1: don't know. But it always seems that way, right? They say when people are falling, they always pass out for some reason beforehand.
0: But uh, somehow, a three kilometer fall back to earth, she Mm. survived the fall. Mm. And uh, she was crazily dizzy and concussed. And she also had a broken collarbone. And she had big, deep cuts into her shoulder and her calf muscle. Right. And she says she assumed the fetal position and just lay there for the rest of the day and throughout the night. I mean, she's she's in crazy but amount of shock at this point. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what she landed on. Well, she, maybe water or something? Not sure. No, I think she was slowed down a lot by the, the canopies of the trees. Yeah, so, so she, just just got, she just hit everything on the, got the way down. she fucking lucky. But, yeah. oh. Surviving the fall was a miracle in itself, it really was. But now completely lost in the dense jungle, she was faced with a whole new life-threatening situation. With the snakes? Well, just the Amazon jungle, was. <laughs> evidently the flight only had about 15 minutes left to go before it reached the destination, which is also grim. Um, but without a compass or any kind of bearings, because it's kind of like too dense of a forest to see anything, Really, Should, yeah. it was impossible for her to know which way to go. Which is also really scary. It sucks. Thought, yeah, it's and, like uh, so close. You could probably walk. Ever been in the woods and you don't know which way you're you know, going? How, really? How far does a plane fly in fifteen minutes? It, I mean, farther than Juliana can walk. Sadly. Well, you can probably um, walk it in a few days, but uh, you got to know wh- if if you're which walking. way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not now, walking in Rondre. Her I mean. parents, as a keen biologists and general nature lovers, had taught her many valuable lessons about the forest and the creatures that inhabit it. She listened to the croaking frogs and the birdsong and realized that she recognized these species from the research center her parents had founded, so she must be in the same jungle. That was mm. her thought. She's mm. pretty smart. It's Pretty to, clever, yeah.
2: She was in the same jungle. Yeah. Or still like, a pretty you know, big jungle. It's still pretty big, but No, but, but like, the same
0: area of the jungle, I guess. I guess. But that's that's crazy smart to, or at least like, to remember the, how they sound. To have the same like species around her. Yeah, least, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So she knew a lot of survival skills, but the next challenge was to use this knowledge mm. because she had a crazy bad concussion from falling <laughs> 3,000 meters. Yeah. Also, her glasses were gone. Yeah, that doesn't help either. I wouldn't want to be out uh, my glasses in the dense Peruvian jungle. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so what she did was basically she followed the river. She followed the Amazon. This was something that her father taught her. <laughs> I don't think it was the Amazon. <laughs> though. <Huh? laughs> yeah, okay. It was she a river. followed a river. <laughs> yeah. I think saying it was the Amazon. Uh, part, <laughs> big step. part of the Amazon. Yeah, okay. Scrap that. Yeah, she, yeah. Uh, so what she did was she followed the river um, that she was next to. And it's a common survival tactic when um, you're completely lost in a dense kind of forest. And it's something her father taught her. He also taught her that piranhas are the only dangerous species that inhabit the shallows. Piranhas- so she floated like midstream down the river in order to travel faster. So well, she basically goes with the current.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently, piranhas don't attack you if mm-hmm. you're in the middle of the river, if
2: you're in deep no, you- water. You, you need to be splashing and stuff because that sort of attracts them because then you then they think that you're in distress that's uh, fucking in, scary in, tactics, this, man. in this
0: part of the world though, there's not just piranhas in you there just
2: hold your breath and there's, there's,
0: there's leeches anacondas crocodiles all sorts of other shit besides piranhas <laughs> in those murky waters man just as if her like luck couldn't get any worse it was the middle of the rainy season mm-hmm. she couldn't light a single fire and no fruit was in season so no berries to eat or anything like that yeah just pissing rain the whole time and she only had a light summer dress on presumably like from school or something like that so the cold wet nights they're pretty grim yeah i imagine mm. that would be quite tough yes alone in the jungle as a 17 year old freezing yeah. cold but soaking knew, wet she knew that any of the fruit that was on the trees not to touch them because it might be poisonous yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's <laughs> how that's how to make your day a lot worse yeah <laughs> true true and uh, on the fourth day, so she's been four days marching through the jungle now, she heard the call of vultures circling overhead. Mm. She knew that there must be something dead nearby. She she followed the, the vultures' noises and uh, she found three corpses of the passengers still attached to their seat. Mm. They had hit the ground so hard that they were half buried in the earth, Ooh. which is just a, horrible, just a real horrible imagery there. Just a real, just heavy weight uh, in yeah. the soft mud. Uh, after 10 days now of surviving in the forest through whatever means possible, she came around the bend in the river to see a small fishing hut. There she found some gasoline, Mm -hmm. which she apparently instinctively poured onto her shoulder, Uh, which was infested with maggots. So she had these deep cuts in her shoulder, which became infested. Yeah. And she poured the gasoline into, like, clean the wound. Apparently
1: it was another thing her father showed her. So the maggots obviously don't like gasoline. So they just
0: leave the wound. Well, yeah, that's what it said. But it also said that sometimes they'll try to dig deeper then. So you have to pull them out. Yeah. Apparently, she pulled out 30 maggots that's from her a, shoulder. That's a lot of maggots. 17-year-old girl a pulling out maggots. Oh. Yeah. Yep. And uh, she slept the night in this fishing hut and was awoken the next morning by three fishermen. They were startled that, you know, she was there in the middle of nowhere in their little fishing hut, and they thought that perhaps she was some sort of ghost.
2: Mm. She had Maybe. also st- also stolen her, their gasoline, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, you know, like, they, they don't expect to see anyone here. Oh. and um. Yeah, when a girl comes running out of the woods, out of their fishing hut, it's, it's not, it's, it could be something peculiar going yeah. on. But we're going to have a little song break. No, we're done. It's 59 minutes, boss. We're going to end it there, folks. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up. Thanks
2: wrap- for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening.
1: Cool.
0: Yeah. Spotify. Spotify, Instagram, Ordinary Observations. Great. Good night. Good night. See ya.
1: This one's the Libertines. Run, run, run. <laughs>
0: You've just heard a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. You'll find all our shows at k103.se. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Stay tuned.